0: Christians bring parts of their past lives into their new salvation experience with God. If we do not see how we carry over these things from our past we'll continue to accommodate our old habits, our old practices, our old delusions. Paul talked about this in Ephesians 4.22 as he was telling the folks in Ephesus that we do have a former manner of life. Even though you have been born again, there are those old habits, practices, and delusions. There are traces of them, threads of them, that we bring into our new experience with Christ. And if we do not know how to If we do not know how to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, as Paul also told us in Philippians 2, then the consequences, well, they can be quite awful. And so the aim is to identify and break those old patterns that have always been with us so that we can live a life for God and others. Hello, everyone. This is Rick Thomas. You're listening to the Life Over Coffee podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. If you want to read this podcast, then I would love for you to go to our ministry's website, and the title of it is Anger, Alleviation, and a Quest to be God. And I'm also making a video of this podcast as well. And so you can read, you can watch, or you can listen, or you can do all three. Now, of course, the rule is, is that if you do one of those, you must share it with 1,000 of your closest friends. That way we can reach more people with the practical message of Christ. As always, if you have any question for us, you can go to our ministry's website, We have free community forums that are underwritten by those who support our ministry financially. And so this is our gift to you. You can read, watch, or listen to what I'm about to share with you. And then if you want to engage us about it, we would love for you to do that. And so you can jump on our free community forums. Forums Again, the title of the article is Anger Alleviation and a Quest to Be God, and I'm going to explain that as I work through this case study with my old friend Biff. Biff is an angry man, but what's instructive about his anger is that nobody from his church would believe it because everybody knows how much he loves God. Just ask them. Take a poll of Biff's friends at the local church. But don't ask Mabel. She married Biff. She knows the man behind the mask. And by the way, don't question their children either. Biff is outgoing, the life of the party, and fun to be around. Those who think they know Biff do not know him the way that he needs them to know him. On the other hand, Mabel has felt the brunt of his former manner of life, those old habits and delusions and practices that he has brought into his Christian experience, particularly his anger. On more than one occasion, he has gone off on her, and she is, she has her eyes wide open. She knows exactly who Biff is, both in public and in private. She and the kids know the transparent Biff, a pleasure seeker who carefully manages his reputation. Biff is a self-focused person. Life revolves around him. Having fun and being the center of attention comes naturally to him. It is his strength. It is who he has always been, pre and post-salvation. Most of his Christian friends have not discerned this narcissistic pattern in him. They think he's a fun guy because God saved him from sin. And Biff loves life. What's wrong with that? Since becoming a Christian, Biff stopped smoking weed, praise God. Though Christianity offered him a cleaner kind of hedonism, it's his passion for pleasure that has never changed. And so while some of those old patterns and practices, that former manner of life, did drop off when he entered into his salvific experience with the Savior, there's still these underlying motivations of the heart, a passion for pleasure, that former deceitful manner of life that is still very much who he is. And though he loves God, He does not know how to live anything but a double life. The narcissism that has always been his identity, it had the rougher edges rounded by the sanitization of his new Christian life. Biff's friends do not know these hidden secrets because they only get the life of the party, Biff. Mabel lives in both of Biff's worlds. She goes to church with him where they serve in ministry together, and she has to live with him at home while doing damage control for Biffy and Biffina, their two children. Biff is what you might call a living, breathing dichotomy. He is loved in the public arena while feared in the home. He is an unbelieving believer. I'm kinda of taking what uh, the, gen- the gentleman said in Mark 9:24. He said, I believe, help my unbelief. And that is a struggle for all of us. We believe as in God has imposed himself into our lives and we have been regenerated, born from above. But when it comes to our sanctification, Sometimes we can act as practical, functional atheists, as though we are unbelievers, and that's where I get that, that, that little label of unbelieving believer, the person who is unwilling to trust God with all of their life. And though God has genuinely saved him, he is not working out his salvation with fear and trembling, which raises the all-important question. What is Biff's core Problem, And so that is the scenario. And now I want to walk through uh, this brief case study, and I want to tease it out and hopefully bring insight into what's going on in Bill's life so that if you know anyone like that, perhaps you can bring some care to them as you adapt some of these things. Because I realize that this will not perfectly map over any person's life, but I trust there'll be enough insight insight here that you will be able to help uh, those who are struggling with that dichotomy of being one thing in the public space and another thing in the private. Biff wants his life on his terms. Now, ultimately, that is the bottom line. When things go according to his wishes, I mean, he's an okay guy in public and private. There are peace and harmony in Biff's two worlds, The bad news for Biff is that nobody can manipulate and package their lives according to their preferences. Life rarely cooperates the way we want it. And it's in these uncooperating moments of his life that he struggles the most. And that's why his core issue is that he wants life on his own terms, but that is a big ask because life is not that cooperative. It will not accommodate all of our pleasures and all of our preferences. The uncooperativeness of life is antagonistic to the dream world where Biff is the self-appointed king. Everyone is complying, and he is living large, right smack in the middle of it all. That's his dream, and he tries to manage it at all costs. If only he could keep things contained, packaged, managed, controlled, and squished inside his preferred easy-come, easy-go world. Of course, he would have to be God with all of the accompanying omni-attributes. He would have to be um, omnipotent. He would have to be omnipresent. He, He would have to be omniscient to manage the complete expanse of his life. The bad news for Biff is that he is not God, and he cannot control his life according to his desires, his dictates, his demands. We know this. Because when things begin to tilt outside of his control, he unleashes his anger, the trustive, manipulative weapon of the insecure person who feels out of control. And each time he unleashes his anger, his world pops back, is propped back upon his axis, or it pops back into place, but it props back upon his axis, and everyone falls in line. As you might imagine, the cyclic pattern of in control, out of control, using anger to get back in control, it can wear on anyone. And Biff feels the adverse effects of attempting to rule his world self-sufficiently. God never intended for any of us to assume that kind of dominion over our lives and relationships. We are to die to ourselves and live for others, not amplify ourselves to the point of dictatorial rulership. Biff must come to terms with his anti-God worldview including he must surrender his desires to god he has to he has lived a self-gratifying self-focused all about me world all of his life after god regenerated him biff kept the parts of his past that he loved, that former manner of life that I was talking about at the top of this podcast. He kept that because he loved that pleasure, that, that pleasure, sensitive, seeker life that made it all made his world all about him. And what he did is he tacked on Christianity. And what that did is that left him with a suppressed hedonism. But it got worse for Biff. He married Mabel. And then he had children. Imagine trying to control your world by yourself. But then you get a spouse and now you have children and your world just expanded and you are a pleasure-centered individual. Well, of course, that brought more complications. He wanted it all. Selfishness, Christianity, wife, children. Biff lives with a slow burn. But you would never know it, because he only gets angry when he cannot get his way. A private sin that keeps his public reputation intact. But if you disrupt his pleasure-seeking, you will see the darker side of Biff. And so the weight of being God, little G-O-D, of his world, it is too much for Biff which cues the temptation to find escapes from the endless self-reliant loop of his own making. If you're going to be God for a day, if you're going to be God for a month, if you're going to try to be God of your life, well, God did not build us to have that kind of omnipower. And so that means that we, we will be exhausted. That means that we will seek alleviation. That is why I titled this podcast and the article, Anger, Alleviation, and a Quest to Be God. Well, this is what Biff is doing. The weight of the world now is pressing down on him. And after he becomes weary from running his world, he takes a break today by escaping to the temporary pleasure of his secret porn addiction. You see, porn is the perfect medication. I put that in in air quotes. It's the perfect medication for a a self-centered, self-gratifying, self-focused pleasure seeker like Biff who cannot maintain tight-fisted control of his world He can alleviate his frustration and general weariness from running his world with a momentary escape into the quote-unquote perfect drug of self-gratification. Porn not only gives him an escape, but it permits him to stay in power. As you do the excavation work to get underneath these surface issues, you're going to hit the most vital question of them all. I said that Biff's core problem earlier on is that Biff wants life on his terms. That is an accurate way of saying what his core problem is, but as you continue to excavate and get underneath all of that, you're going to come to a significant question that you're going to have to ask Biff, and that question is quite simply, what is your problem with God? Now, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you say that out loud. Uh, I'm not sure that he would have a context or a way of understanding what you just ask him. But there is a functional breakdown of his relationship of God Almighty in his life. And so in your own mind, anyway, you want to be asking, what's wrong with God? You see, Biff has a significant problem with the Lord because he consistently and relentlessly chooses himself as God over his life rather than God Almighty. When there are only two choices before us and we constantly choose one over the other, we are making a clear commentary about how we think about the one that we selected and the other one that we rejected. That's why I asked the question. If Biff keeps choosing himself to manage and package and control his world, where he is little G-O-D of his world, then you have to ask the most obvious question of all. What is your problem with God? Why do you keep rejecting him? There is something about the Lord that is not satisfying to Biff not as satisfying as his former manner of life that he has brought into his Christian experience. Now, perhaps there is something that he does not understand about God. Maybe he has an ignorance about who God is and and all that God can be uh, in our lives when we submit totally to him. But ultimately, Biff is not fully trusting God with his life, choosing to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. I take that expression from Hebrews 11 when it described Moses in verses 25 and 26. The text says this, Moses chose to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Not Biff. He believes that the treasures of Egypt, this this life that is before his eyes, these things that are under the sun, that they are more important and more pleasurable than the fleeting pleasures of sin more pleasurable than, than God himself. And so part of Biff's problem is that he is angry with God. Now that's a strong way to say it more than likely, and that would be another sentence that I would not say aloud. But as you ask or as you try to discern what is your problem with God, what you're going to find is that there are some anger issues that he has with God, and so you will have to tease out anger into one of its more subtle forms is probably what you're going to find, and so the anger that I'm talking about with Biff would look more like disappointment than some volatile form or expression of anger. You cannot be angry or you cannot be frustrated or you cannot be disappointed with the Lord and trust him in all the ways that you must have trust with him and have peace with him. And so Biff has this low level of disappointment that, that runs underneath his life, that he is not satisfied, that he is discontented, and I'm, I'm putting all that into the many manifestations of what anger can be. And there's also pockets of ignorance in Biff's understanding and practice of who God is. Ignorance, like anger, is a faith killer, and so someone must confront him and carefully disciple him into a fuller understanding of who God is so he can experience authentic joy and, and not these contrived joys that he is trying to orchestrate for himself under the sun. Biff has chosen these lesser sublunary pleasures of this world to satisfy him, which do not satisfy at all. Solomon talked about this, by the way. Uh, this idea of of chasing mirages in the desert, hoping to find pleasure outside of the Lord. In Ecclesi- Ecclesiastes eight, Solomon said this, all things, and he's speaking of under the sun, all things are full of weariness, a man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing and the ear is not, is not filled with hearing, that we can never feel our insatiable desires under the sun. There has to be something outside of us, otherworldly, that imposes itself on our lives and brings true transformation, not just in salvation. That's essential, of course. But it also tackles and vanquishes our former manner of life so that we experience God in his fullness in our sanctification. And so while Biff understands the gospel enough to become a Christian, he has not lived in the fullness, the goodness of the gospel after God regenerated him. He got his ticket to heaven punched. And that is something that we want to praise God for. Uh, that, that is of eternal value and eternal significance. But Biff is like a lot of us. He never learned how to live in the good of the gospel post-salvation. It's like he came through the salvation door and sat down, and maybe that's unfair in, in some sense, there could be some ignorance here, as I talked about earlier, where he needs careful and courageous disciple makers coming beside him and teaching him who this God is that saved him. We have to understand that all of us have brought our former manner of life into our Christian experience. And if we're not careful, any of us can be like Biff. We can have that public representative, that person that that represents us. It is a facade. It is not the real us, but a carefully edited version of us that we trot out into the public space, hoping that people will find that person more acceptable than the real person that we know ourselves to be. And when we fall into that trap where we hide our former manner of life and just present a facade of Christianity, now we're living in that dualistic world like what Biff has done here. And so by showing up at the local church meetings and participating in Bible studies, he's learned a lot of Bible information, but he is bereft when applying the Bible to his life. If Biff is serious about change, there is a long road of hard work ahead of him. We have to work to find rest, as the Hebrew writer said in chapter four. We have to work out our salvation, as Paul said in, in Philippians two. Faith without works is not dead, and in all of it, faith without works is dead. And in all, all of these passages, it's not saying that we're working to be saved. No, salvation has been settled. But there are, there, are, there, there are things that we have to slay in our lives. When the Hebrew children crossed over the Jordan River and landed in the Promised Land, there was work to do. And so in this article here, I have a call to action that I want to share with you. And if, if Biff will follow this call to action He can experience actual change. This process, by the way, will also test his sincerity regarding transformation. One of the problems with Biff is is that he has learned to be all things to all people, and so he is a people pleaser. And so I'm not saying that I am cynical when I think about Biff or that I am suspicious of his motivations, but I do want to understand him, which means I have to be discerning, and there's a difference between discernment and suspicion suspicion, and because of the nature of his former manner of life, that he is a people pleaser, that he does what he has to do to shift, to hide who he really is, to keep his carefully crafted reputation out in the forefront. Well, I know that. And so this process of change will not only help him to change, but it would also help you to discern the seriousness that he has about changing. Genuine repentance is not something that he can manipulate, a nasty little habit that Biff has to get what he wants, to manipulate people and and situations, and that's where you want that discernment. If he is serious about change this process— that I'm about to lay out for you will not only bring it, but it will measure his sincerity. And so there's four things. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just a starter packet of sorts. But these are four essential things that he has to do. Number one, live the gospel. And what I mean by that is that Biff needs to understand the depth of what Christ did for him on the cross, This exercise of living in the goodness of the gospel is not a one-and-done tip for Biff to add or stack on to his knowledge base. Biff needs to surround himself with gospel companions. He needs gospel-centered books and music and friends, by the way. Good companions can be human beings, and they can also be wonderful resources. The glory, amazement, and beautiful truths of Calvary need to be his constant companions. And so the books he reads, the music that he listens to, the friends that he surrounds himself needs to have that same gospel-centered drum beat so that he can learn, number one, to live in the goodness of the gospel. Number two, memorize the word. Biff needs to begin a a systematic memorization plan that will allow the Word of God to wash over his soul. Christ cleanses us by his Word. He said in John 17, 17, Sanctify them with truth. Thy Word is truth. Biff needs a severe cranial cleansing. And so as he's learning more about the gospel and learning how to live in the goodness of it. One of those companions will be a systematic memorization plan so that he can keep being cleansed by God's word. Number two, memorize the word. Number three, practice repenting. Biff needs to come to terms with what it means to repent. Repentance is the only means for removing sin in a person's life. And Biff has been living in sin for so long that his conscience is dull. You see, the sin that he has been living in and accumulating, accruing, it's like a big weight that presses down on him because he's never repented. And if you carry ongoing sin in your soul, it will dull your inner voice. Uh, your conscience, and as it does that, uh, after a while, you'll become dull, and you can become even hardened to the illuminations and the, uh, the penetrations of, of the Spirit of God in our lives, or even friends, God using friends to communicate to us, like maybe Mabel in Bill's life. In Hebrews 5, 11 through 14, it says this, you have become dull of hearing, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, Again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish between good and evil. This is not easy as I said, this is a hard road. And if Biff comes in with an instant gratification mindset as though he can flip a switch and in two weeks, two months he's going to be better. No, he has a former manner of life that is multi-decade long. And so he will need to, he will have his powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish between good and evil. And so number three is practice repenting. Number four is to become a servant. Bill's life has been mostly by himself. He has not successfully modeled the gospel, which he can do by serving others. These things that I've mentioned thus far is is learning how to live in the goodness of the gospel and surround yourself with with good gospel-centered companions, memorize God's word, practice repenting. That can create a dead sea effect. So part of our sanctification and how we mature is by going out and serving others. When Biff honestly comes to terms with what Christ did for him on the cross, he He will experience brokenness by that cross, and once the gospel breaks him, his heart desire will be less about what he can get and more about what he can give to others. Number four, become a servant. Biff must know that he should never move on from these four things, and while there are other things that he wants to add to this list, these four are essential Number one, Bilf will celebrate the gospel throughout eternity. The gospel is a way of life. He must learn what it means to live in the goodness of the gospel. Number two, hiding God's word in his heart should be a lifetime pursuit. Number three, repentance must be his constant friend, a constant cleansing friend. And then number four, by becoming a servant, he will be as far... As he can be from self centeredness. How do you know when a person is truly transformed is when they move as far as possible from a self centered life? That means that they're living an other centered life. If you want to read this podcast, please go to our website. Look for the title Anger, Alleviation, and a Quest to Be God. You could probably type in Quest to Be God. This is probably the only title that that has that little phrase in it. And this article will pop up. The podcast will be there. The video will be there as well. And then if you have questions for us, again, please jump on our free community forums and we would love to serve you. Uh, It would be our pleasure. Thank you so much for listening uh, to this Case Study Podcast. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.